everyone, and welcome to the latest Wolves Fancast episode. It's your boy LD coming to you straight away two days after the games play because we've been all busy doing stuff that hasn't really been relevant. Um, hopefully, this podcast lasts a little bit longer than Marcel did the other night after the 1 0 win over Leeds. Got with me today Jordan and Luke. What was your sort of feelings going into the game Friday night? It seemed to be a bit of a knife edge with the format we've been in recently that we all we all probably thought we needed a win. What was your feelings, Jordan? I felt like um, <clears throat> before the game, I thought it would just be a really good game. I was looking forward to it all week. I just thought it was a good match-up in terms of, you know, I think player for player we're a much better team than Leeds. But I just thought stylistically and sort of the form of both clubs, I thought it would be a really good game. and. Uh, you know, we obviously went out there and won 1-0, but I, I still think, you know, if, if that game finished 5-4, either way, I don't think you'd have, anyone could have moaned, really. It was just one of those things. Uh, you know, like I say, I thought it was um, looking forward to the game and we. Um, I'm just glad we come out on top, to be honest with you. Luke? Um, I, I was quite intrigued for the game, to be fair, because obviously we finished really well against Southampton. But before that second half against Southampton, we've been absolutely terrible. So I was really keen to see if we were going to carry on that form or if we were going to revert back to the, the, the boring, terrible football. So it was really refreshing to see, actually, that we started the game really well. And we, we, we seemed to keep the tempo for the, for the whole 90 minutes, to be fair. So, because I, I think I didn't want to get too carried away after the second half against Southampton. I do believe that we, we need to put a good run together before we can start to think about turning a corner. So, um, so yeah, excitement, just keen to see how we performed. Um, and on the whole, well, I'm not going to say on the whole, because that's Nuno rounding it up in five <laughs> minutes, eight, but um, I, I thought Nuno got the team selection right. I don't really think there was, there was much that he could have changed. Um, apart, from, apart from having Jimenez fit, there, there wasn't really a lot more he could do on Friday night. Was there? It was nice to have a bit of consistency going into the game again with the, the same sort of start in the eleven. Yeah, um, and, and, and I think now now we're finding a good runner form. Obviously, injury and suspensions aside, I think we should persevere with the personnel that we've been using for the last game and a half now, um, and and. Try and get them into a bit of a groove. Give them a run of form so they can try and find a bit of a mojo. Sort of what you were going on, Jordan, in regards to how this game easily could have been 5-4, 5-5, that sort of mindset going into the game. The way Wolves sort of started and the way Leeds was set up, obviously massive miss for them, not having Calvin Phillips anchor in their midfield. How did you feel the first half went? I thought we I thought we were really positive and I thought we were quite unlucky not to be a couple ahead at half time, to be honest with you. Um like you say, Calvin Phillips is a massive miss for them. He uh he makes them tick. And um I, I sort of thought that before the game, put a tweet out there in terms of I thought that whoever won the, the battles out wide was gonna go on and win the game. And I do think we we won those battles on the whole. I thought that in terms of leads, we nullified them pretty much to set pieces and you know that's you know that's an issue we probably need to look at and address and I think Nuno said that as well that we were a bit we're giving away too many chances from set pieces but you know Rafinha is one of the informed players in the old league and I thought that you know the intriguing battle would be against Johnny who's just come back from his ACL and uh, you know what for 60 minutes he was just the Johnny of old wasn't he just nullified him shut him down and um, yeah you know I thought I thought we won that match quite well Um Going back to first half, though, Nelson Tomato could have had a couple. Uh, you know, Neto had his shooting boots on as well. And maybe he was a bit greedy, Neto, at times. I think he could have possibly, you know, played that extra ball to open up or create another opportunity for us. But you know what? Like, the comparisons have started very, maybe a bit prematurely for me at the moment with Neto and Ronaldo. But, you know, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo used to shoot on site, didn't he? So, you can't really discourage a player who wants to, you know, have a pop from 20, 30 yards out. And, you know, he was testing the keeper, you know, on a lot of those occasions as well. Who do you think sort of had the edge going into half-time, Luke? I mean, I remember the one save that Melier made from, from Neto from distance where he, he was a bit theatrical, the save. There was a couple of saves from 
Samaida, uh, but Leeds did have chances as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at, <clears throat> at the first half stats and it was it was really, really equal. Uh, we had more shots on target, five to their three. Now, I can't remember any of their shots being particularly dangerous in the first half, whereas I think you look at that, Neto, I mean, I, I don't really rate this lead keeper. I think he's got too many mistakes in him. I know he's young, but fantastic save. Absolutely top draw that save was from Neto. Um, the two Samadai chances as well. Um, routine saves, but still good chances. We was getting in good areas. So I think when you break it down um, a little bit deeper, whilst it was quite even, the better chances went to us. And I think we was a bit more dangerous in the final third than they were as well when we had the ball. So I, I would have personally gave the first half to Wolves. The second half again was was fairly equal. You could say maybe Leeds edged the second half, maybe, but again, I think you'd be splitting hairs really. I mean, there, there was one um, element of play where Leeds nearly took the lead in the first half. Where, I mean, as, as much as he was probably had one of his best games in a Wolves show on Friday night, Rui was a bit suspect. I think if you remember the one where he, he went near post and it hit the hit the post. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there was a bit of a scramble before another save. I think that was the only sort of area in the first yeah. half where they came close to scoring. So, I, I, whilst it was a good chance for them, and yeah, you can say, oh, they hit the post. It was all a bit of a mess and a bit fortunate, more so, a bit more luck than judgment, it seemed. Um, but uh, we've, we've reduced a team who were quite comfortable going forward to how many decent chances did they have in the 90 minutes? Two, maybe. One, two. So, because we've been so porous at the back and we've been allowing a hell of a lot of opportunities, I think it was really positive that against an attacking team, we were quite comfortable on the whole. Um I thought, I thought we, we managed the game well defensively. And going forward, I thought we looked the best that we've looked in in a long, long time. There did seem to be quite a few... Well, the, the intent from us going forward seemed to be um, quite evident on Friday. I'm not sure whether that was purely just because Leeds were missing Calvin Phillips. I, I feel like Shackleton, who was in their centre midfield, got caught out a few times trying to to play around in their half. You saw the likes of um, like Samedo, um getting into more advanced positions due to us in, 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 intercepting higher up the pitch. With the chances that he had in the first half, do you feel he could have done better or that, were they just routine saves? I think they turned into routine saves. I think the first chance was probably the best one, but was it Neto who played the ball through? Yeah. Um, I think if Neto puts a little bit more on that pass, he can take the shot first time. And I, I think, think there was it, two oppor- there was two um, chances that Smedo yeah, had. I think yeah. I, I tell a lie. I think it was Jose who did the first one, and he put too much on it. Was he, it he, he, he was way too wide. I think the, 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 if I'm thinking correctly, the one off Neto, he sort of plays it, and and Tomado runs onto it, takes a touch, and then gets a shot off. I think if Neto plays it just slightly more forward with a bit more, a bit more power on the ball, a bit more pace, then Tomado can get the shot off first time. And it just gives him a better opportunity of, of finding the net because obviously once you've took your touch, gives a chance to keeper to gives the keeper the chance to set himself. Then doesn't it? But Samado was absolutely fantastic. I think that was probably his best game in in, in a Wolf shirt. Um, I think it helped playing the sort of inverted wingers more so than traditional wingers with Neto and Traore um, playing a bit more narrow because then it allowed Samadol to push on and play a bit how Doherty played last season. It allowed the fullback to get into the box a lot more and have a lot more touches in and around the final third. Because I think as, as much as people want to compare the two and, and the, they always want to bring up Doherty's stats from his goals and assists, I believe it was because he was allowed to play that way, whereas Samadol isn't. But you, Jordan? 
No, I agree. I think Samedo, you know, I've been a fan of his since we had him and he's just getting better and better for me week on week. It was definitely his best performance from an attacking output, I thought, you know, creating chances and getting into good areas. And um, there was a bit of analysis, I think it was before the Southampton League game that Karen Carney did. And, uh, you know, she's took some stick, you know, rightly or wrongly from Leeds fans for the comments and whatever. But it was a brilliant a bit of analysis where... She was showing Troy Ora and Samedo and essentially just playing in straight lines. So anytime Samedo had the ball, because Troy Ora is not that you know well known for his movement off the ball, the tend to be playing in quite straight lines. And you can see now with Neto, Neto comes inside and it gives Samedo the angle to go on, you know, down the line. It gives a bit more space for, for us to do that. What I think it worked well with Troy Ora and Doherty last year was the amount of times that Doherty was inside of Traore, that was his natural movement, and he'd come in on his left foot and have a shot. Samayda hasn't got that in his locker, or at least he hasn't learned that part of it yet, so the synergy wasn't there with him and Traore, so I do think that definitely in the immediate future, Samayda and Neto benefits us as an attacking option a hundred times more than what Samayda and Traore did, because I just think they've just got in each other's way, to be honest with you. Yes, yeah, so, uh, Traore has had the tendency a lot this season where he's just telegraphed his runs wide or just dragging the defenders out. So hopefully they have learned to build up a bit of a relationship there, him and uh, Samedo and Neto in regards to when the one has to invert, when when Samedo has to overlap. So we're going to half-time, nil-nil. Is there anything you you, you would have tweaked at half-time or is it just literally stay as we are and hope that we break them down? It, it was still, I thought... The first goal was always going to be key in this game. I think this um, leads this season. Uh, I read they've only had one away game up until Friday night where they haven't scored in. So they was always likely to get a goal. So I think the first goal was always going to be key, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and look at our form of conceding first as well. Yeah. It's, it's shocking. What Didn't we concede first in like 13 or 14 consecutive matches? 15 was... Um, First, yeah, first time we took the lead in 15 Premier League games on Friday. And uh, it doesn't matter what level you play at, if you concede first, you, you're up against it, aren't you? You yeah, really are up against it. If you can get the, the first goal, then you give yourself more chance to win to win the game. And I know it sounds really simple and basic, but it is really that simple and basic. Yeah. Score first, and you've got a better chance of winning the game. Um, so I, it was nice to see, because it's been that fucking long. Since we scored first, forgot what it's like to sort of be in front in a game. I mean, um, going back to sort of the Championship days and and a lot of the Premier League games in the definitely in the first season, when we took the lead, we were really regimented at running games out with victories, weren't we? But obviously, we struggled a lot recently in the in the Premier League. Whether that's just due to the formation change, the, the lack the, of it, Raul. It's the Nuno blueprint, though, isn't it? Take the lead, control the game. He's all about control, Nuno, and. Since Raul's been out, so it was the Arsenal game was the last time Arsenal was the last time we scored first in the Premier League game. So since Raul's been injured, we've never took the lead in the Premier League game until Friday night. I think so. It's a massive, you know, it's a massive part of our plan is take the lead and manage the game, and that's where the pragmatism comes in. And uh, you know, Nuno's all about the control. This team's all about control. And like you said, Dan, like Championship days and that first season in the Premier League, if we t- if we got the first goal, we'd suffocate teams, wouldn't we? We'd just beat them. Which I don't think that's the problem. If Nuno does want to play sort of um, as a defensive manager, sort of that sort of mentality, then that's fine. When you wander it up, even if he wants to, because I think Nuno likes to turn a game into a 15, 20 minute game as much as he can. But you always run that risk when you want to sort of play that mentality before the ball's even been kicked. If we was to take the lead in the game and then he wants to sort of sit back and shut up shop a little bit, even if he wanted to do so from 30 minutes, it's just a, it just seems a lot better tactic to use than try and keep it nil-nil till 70 minutes and then try and win the game. Yeah, I agree with you that. But that, that's where we've come unstuck, I think, last season after the, the lockdown. We won those three games in a row and then we played Arsenal at home, didn't we? And they were in shocking form. They were there for the taking and we literally sat off them. Yeah. Saka scored just before half time, and then we just yeah. lost, didn't we? We couldn't get yeah. back in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 
didn't we actually have a really, really good record the last two seasons of sort of not dropping points once we'd taken the lead? I'm, I mean, I, I could be making that up, but from memory, I seem to recall whenever we used to take the lead the first two seasons in the Prem, we very, very rarely lost from that position. The only one I can so, remember off the top of my head was uh, Cardiff away in that first season in the Prem when we lost 2-1, didn't we? I think we took the lead then and yeah. Hoyle scored, didn't he? I think. Doherty scored in the yeah. 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 Like if we get the lead, so if we take the lead in any game, it plays right into our hands. Like so we what? end up just suffocating teams and they frustrate themselves silly, don't they? That's and, what happens. And, and as well, we've never ever been that good at chasing games under Nuno. But when we do take the lead, like you said, plays it to our hands because Nuno can get us as organised as, as he wants because we're an organised team down to Nuno. But when teams come at us, it allows us to catch us up. To, it allows us to then play on the break and catch them on the counter, which I think we've done really well for two seasons. But yeah. in, for whatever reason, it's, it's, it's gone this season. Um, but then again, that could be down because we're not really taking the leading games. So teams are scoring against us and then they can sort of sit back and say, break us down. Yeah. Because I think that's where we struggle. Well, I think having that extra game, man in having that extra man in the five man defence sort of that's the reasoning behind why we've struggled to break teams down when we've gone behind, haven't it? Because we haven't got that extra man going forward. I think when we had yeah. the back four, we were always creating chances, but because we were just so fragile defensively, we were just on hiding to nothing, weren't we? Going back into into the game, sixty four minutes, a dime right on that left hand side cuts in. Absolute thunderbolt of a shot. The NSPCC were nearly called out for him abusing Melier. <laughs> he looks about 10. Good goal. I mean, I don't know. Keeper can't do anything about that. That's that's the fortune run that we're on at the moment, isn't it? Well, you've got to take it, haven't you? Roughly the smooth. I think we've, uh, to be honest with you, I can't even say we've been unlucky in this little run of spells where we've been losing games. And I just think we've been shit, to be honest with you. But the fact is, you create your own look at times, don't you? And I think that, you know, the fact that we're playing a bit more expansive, creating chances and stuff, I thought we more than deserved the goal. I mean, it's come fortunate, you know, very fortunate that it's come off Melly's back up, backside and gone in the back of the net. But we created that for ourselves, for me. And I think that Troyore, he had a bit of a quieter game than what he has in the last couple games, I thought. But, you know, it's a fantastic run, a fantastic shot and... It is. It deserved to go in it without, you know, coming back off the underside. Well, coming off the bar and hitting Melia, didn't it? If that had gone in the back of the net, it'd have been probably been goal of the season. You know what I mean? It's a fucking rocket. So now look, I thought, you know, we more than deserved the goal at that point of the game. And uh, yeah, you got to take you got to take the fortune when you get it, haven't you? I'm not. I mean, I know you. Um, you're quite big into your fantasy Premier League, Jordan, like myself. I can't. I don't really know who got the assist because obviously he was down as an own goal. It may have been from Marcel. (laughs) Is is there ever been a more fragile footballer in the history of Wolves than Marcel? We've got a few, haven't we? Yeah, but I don't even think like, I mean, Tony Daly played more than Marcel. (laughs) It's going to look like here. He's going to fall into Wolves injury folklore with Darren Anderson. Um, right, I'll, I'll tell you a name right now. Who's going to end up playing more games for Wolves, Marcel or Razak Bakari? <laughs> Marcel's um, probably already beat Manny. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> probably, uh, only hey, just, but if he's got another injury now, I mean, the season ain't far off now. How many games did Mujangi Beer play? Less than 10. Oh, yeah, but he was just crappy one injury. Problem. <laughs> no, I'm not having that down. I saw him at Man City away when he made his debut in 15 minutes. Then 15 oh, minutes. That, that it was unbelievable. I, I, thought, on, yeah. I thought we saw him like a bloody, like a hybrid of Messi and Ronaldo. Literally, he was all over the shop, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I remember him playing in a, in, in a Carling Cup game and he looked dreadful. So, yeah, going back to the game, we take the lead through Adama. Ball gets played through to Bamford. It's one-one. Looks clear offside on the in the naked eye, and then it goes to VAR, and the lines come out. Is it squeaky bum time in your ass? Because I know it was in mine. I, I thought he, I thought he was gonna give him onside. Yeah, same. Yeah, 
Well, he's on time. But then, in, in all fairness, as soon as the the the, the free well, the free train came up, you could see his knee was offside anyway. So it it did calm the nerves a little bit. But I must say, it was some finish from Bamford, and he needs to pack that in because I don't like him. You know, when you just call you can't warm to a player, and he's going to be knocking on the door for the Euros. There, imagine Patrick Bamford representing England at the Euros. We were talking about it last night, weren't we, Luke? Yeah. How is Patrick Bamford one of the most informed strikers in the Premier League? How has it got to this? You just look at Patrick Bamford and you think, you're just a bog-standard championship striker. Yeah. That's it, a, look of, a bit of luck of form. You're basically David Nugent. <laughs> now, you know what, though? If you look, if you take it in isolation, though, some of his goals this season, God, his, his finishing this year has been unreal. Some of the goals he's put away. I remember him being a sack of shit in the championship. Like, He's been all over the gaff. I need Bora. Where else has he been? Bora. Burnley was in the championship. Wait, wasn't he? Mate, he scored against us for Loads. MK Dons. Yeah, I remember MK Dons as well. You know what? If, if someone like that, though, I just think, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's the Tory boy in him, in it, that makes him a bit unlikable because you know yeah. he's had a silver spoon. But you know what? Like, he's having a, he's having a purple patch in here. And I just think, you know, fair play. In, in some aspects, I think fair play because... He's gone around and done the grinder playing at all these clubs on loan. And, you know, he's shown a bit of promise in, you know. And, yeah, I, do I want him in the England squad for the Euros? No, not at all. But he's got to be in with a shout, hasn't he, really, when you think about it? Like, yeah. Maybe he's that fourth striker. Who knows? I mean, if you're Bamford, I'd be on the blower to save guy. I'd say, listen, you're watching me next game because I'm, I'm, I'm on fire here. And it'd be hard to argue against him. But How one, arrogant of a footballer must you be to be ringing the England manager to say, <laughs> you're watching me next game? Gareth Southgate, not, <laughs> Southgate, not Mike Bassett. <laughs> Gareth Southgate was at the game, actually, wasn't he? Um, yeah, he was. He was a football, so he, so not I'm, only did he watch him on Friday night, look, he's got to watch him again because he's on that yeah. much fire. Yeah, honestly, I, if I was a footballer, I would be asking the... If I was on fire like Bamford and I hadn't been in a squad before, I'd be making sure I'd be making enough noise that Safeguard knew exactly who I was and what I was about. And then he'd probably say, well, you're just a gobshite prick. You ain't coming nowhere near this England squad. Stay off but, Twitter as well. <laughs> but, but, um, but we, at the end of the day, as much as I don't like or agree with this current offside law, if it's offside, it's offside. It's happened for us enough times this season and last season that... Yeah, it winds you up. It's frustrating, but the rules are the rules, aren't they? And by the law, he was offside, so he's just got to deal with it. And I don't understand why he's come out in the press the day after, windy like some little bitch, about like trying to have a dig at VAR and this that, and the other when you're blatantly offside, mate. The linesman give it before it, it ain't like he scored and VAR pulled it back. The linesman yeah. give it offside in real time. But that's just leads for you. Lee, and that's why people struggle to like Leeds because they're just whinging bastards and they think everything should go for them. And where are they in the most um, top 20 ranked clubs in England, Luke? Hit us with it. At best, 17th. There's a, there's a lot of clubs ahead of them. 100%, mate. And do you know what? We've had this conversation before and the media make it like Leeds are a top six club. The, the exposure they get from Sky, BT, whoever, it's like they're a top six club. They was out the top flight for nearly two decades. That ain't, that's not a, a massive club. Um, I think in like honours, one, they're about 24 or something. And in the all-time league table and, and attendance table, they're about 18. So I just, me personally, I don't get it because... The facts are there. They've not won a lot. They've spent two decades out of the top flight. And, all right, yeah, they take a fair few away. But their own gates, I know, better than ours, really, when you look at the size of Leeds as a city. So, I, me personally, I just don't get it. Leeds aren't as big as Sky want you to think Leeds are or Leeds fans want you to think Leeds are. Just just a quick question before we get back to the match. We're going to have on a tangent here. The two Sheffield, the two Sheffield clubs bigger than Leeds. Sheffield Wednesday, definitely. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday. Why not United? They've they've had more years in the Premier League since well, the last decades, like you mentioned. Again, who's won the most trophies? 
Wouldn't know. If, if, if Sheffield United have won more trophies than Leeds and spent more years in the top flight, they're a bigger club than Leeds. Oh, and as well, when you look at the gates as well, like what did Sheffield United average in the Prem? 26, 27, 25. Yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, if they was in the Prem, what would they be getting? Over 40. 30, 30, 32, 35,000 or whatever. Um, they're bearing in mind, Leeds and Sheffield, very, very similar in size as cities. But Sheffield has to split between two clubs. Leeds only has to split between one. So they should be getting those gates. Yeah, they should, yeah. Right, I'll give you one. I think Forest are bigger than Leeds. Yeah, 100%. Forest and bigger than Wolves, in there. Yeah, they are, yeah but I'm just saying, like, you know, like, but Leeds fans would argue that. Whereas Wolves fans can go, well, Forest are a massive club, aren't they? Like, and that sort of, the Leeds hype train and the, the media bias and stuff. Like, it, what pissed me off more about Friday night is, you know, I actually think Bielsa's a good manager. I really do. And I think that he's doing a good job with that Leeds team. So I don't think the, the squad's that good, man for man. But BT have gone and got, you know, bloody like an extra from Emmerdale Farm to start talking about the football. Like, how, how much more boys could you imagine? Imagine if like we were playing, I don't know, Newcastle and Bullies on the Cocoms. We, we ain't having this conversation. We ain't having bully on any comms. No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's exactly, it's, the, it's, the, it's like, it's comparative though, isn't it? Imagine yeah. bully on co-coms. You can't have like Matt Murray on co-coms. Well, but, you know, Leeds get away with it, bollocks. In, like, in terms, right, in terms of honours won, there's 15 clubs in England that have won more than Leeds. Fact. Leeds have got five major honours. They're tied with Sheffield United. So that's a Sheffield United conversation. No yeah. who else are tied with. The Wanderers, who won probably five FA Cups between 1877 and 1885 or something. Yeah. You know, like Preston North End have won four major honours. They're only one behind Leeds, but Preston ain't a big club. No, you wouldn't even be entertaining the conversation, would you? Leeds, Leeds are basically Newcastle, aren't they? Yeah, one city club, innit? One city yeah, club. I'll, Good attendances. Follow, take the shirts off away. Yeah. Leeds are Newcastle light. Newcastle are bigger than Leeds. So Leeds are Newcastle light. Right, let's quickly jump back into the match because <laughs> it's massively turned into a Leeds podcast. And I've heard myself just say that Nottingham Forest are bigger than Wolves. They're not bigger than Wolves. Silverware-wise, they are. But I just needed to get that in because I felt a bit sick saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the game on Friday night, William Jose, what was your thoughts on his performance? I thought he was good. Like I know, I know. T- Twitter seems to be split because you know it's just Wolves Twitter, and it was so bipolar. You either you got to, it's like Marmite, and you got to like love someone to the fact that you want to, you know, suck them off, or you hate them to the fact that you want to like burn them at the stake. And I think that there's no in between. Tribalism, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, and I think that William Jose, I said it in our, you know, in the WhatsApp, William Jose is Raul Jimenez without pace. Like so, for me. William Jose's best game for Wolves was Arsenal home, where he won the penalty in a 4-2-3-1. He had Pedence like a fly-round ship, like feeding off his scraps and stuff, and he was making moves for the second ball. In our system that we're playing now, the striker's always been isolated, Raul's always been isolated, but you can never discourage or discredit the amount of work he gets through in a game of 90 minutes. And the fact is, Raul's world-class and... You know, he'll put in one every two chances away. Whereas, you know, someone like William Jose, I mean, he hasn't scored for us yet, but he ain't a one in two bloke. He's probably a one in four bloke. So I think he's doing a good enough job, really. I thought he was good. I thought he linked the play up quite well. And then, you know, let's be honest about it. I know Neto's the flavour of the month at the minute, but he should be squaring the ball to him, shouldn't he? He was like Harry Kane in the World Cup semi final. Jose would have had a tap him, wouldn't he? Oh, and- that's a dagger to the eye bringing that back up. No, but I've got to just be honest though. It's on. It's yeah. on par for me because all. Why didn't Kane things... square it though? Because he's not as good anyway. <laughs> but no, he, oh, I hate Harry Kane for that. <laughs> yeah, so for me, I'm happy with William Jose. He ain't Raúl, and Wolves fans need to grow up a bit and think. You know what? We ain't going to get anyone as good as Raúl to come sit on the bench next season if Raúl gets back to full fitness. I think William Jose for twenty million pounds, Selcatrone. Sell Rafa Mur to Real Madrid because he's the wonder boy in Spain at the minute. Make a profit. And I think that's I think that's a striker crisis over for me moving forward. I don't know about you guys. 
on the Gregs, we still got Bonatini on the books as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we've had a bit of now a few injuries recently, and um, obviously we're, we're massively missing Willie Bolly. What's your feelings towards Den Donker in the back three at the moment? Because in the 81st minute, if I'm correct, yeah. Our old boy Helder Costa comes on off the bench and he has a big chance at the end. And I felt like Den Donker should have done a lot better in that moment where the ball just gets lofty diagonally and somehow it ends up at the feet of Costa. Good in, good instinctive save by Rui, but what's your feelings on Den Donker in the back three at the moment? I think I think he's doing fine. I really do. Um, yeah, he should have done better for the Costa incident, but every defender's going to come into a moment every couple of games, every three or four games where they make a mistake that allows an opportunity for the opposition. The fact of the matter is is a central midfielder, isn't he? Playing as a defender. We've got three we've got three centre backs well three midfielders playing in the three yeah, man defensive I think sometimes it shows and and it's an area that needs identifying in the summer. I think a left sided centre back and maybe even a Somebody to replace Cardi. I think we need two minimum. We want to do. move forward. Um, but at least at least one centre back in the summer is needed because whilst Endon has and uh, has done a good job, he's a midfielder, so we don't want to rely on him, rely on him as a centre back <laughs> too heavily, really. But what, what's quite strange is when you think of Saïd now, you think of a centre back, don't you? But he's a midfielder, really, by trade. Yeah. Um, him as a midfielder, I know he's predominantly, he predominantly plays um, in defence for Morocco and he goes on international duty, but I just think he's he's just that reliable, isn't he, Soyuz? You know what you're going to get. He's a, an odd bastard. He does the basics right. He can. I, I think he, if you're ever in terms of trouble, he's a man you can just put in anywhere on the pitch and you know he's going to do you a, a, an half-decent job. So Going back to sort of the summer, we we need at one. least one proper centre back. I know a few, a few weeks back, Tim Spears was saying that Wolves um, one of their main priorities in the summer is signing a marquee defender, and then earlier on in the week he's saying we need to to buy to sell, which is a bit concerning. I don't know where where what the truth is at the moment, or where or where the truth comes from nowadays. What do how many defenders do you, do you think we need? You say two, Jordan. I think two. I still believe that four-two-three-one's the formation going forward for our team. Um, so we just haven't got we just haven't got the centre, we just haven't got the defenders to play it at the minute. Or, and again, without sounding hypocritical or like I'm slagging anyone off, I don't think we've got the central midfielders to play that sort of system as well. In terms of, I feel like you need a bit of dynamism in there to be able to screen and give yourself a foundation and a base to protect the back four. And Neves and Neves is a fantastic player. He was fantastic again Friday. He can't, you know, he ain't going to win a fifty meter sprint against many. And Matinho's slower than him. And Matinho's been, you know, well we we can you know say a load of objectives how good he's been in a wolf shirt, you know, for that first eighteen months. But the reality is, I think that we probably need the spine needs addressing for me to move and break into that top six. What frustrates me more than anything is we've hit a little bit of form now and from where we were last season, I, I truly believe we could have come forth with that platform we had. Um, we've gone backwards, you know, injuries and recruitment. You know, we spoke about this, you know, time and time again. But, <clears throat> you know, we lost to Burnley and West Brom and that game yesterday, Saturday, because we were recording Sunday, was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in the Premier League. We picked up zero points against them. Add six points onto that. You know, what why couldn't we be why couldn't we be in around the top four? We've like a couple more positive results this year. When you look at it, really, it's a shit league. Absolutely wank. And that's what that's what I'm frustrated with. And I think that you know what, if the recruitment had been better in the summer, we'd be up there like Leicester, Leicester second at the minute or third. Uh, I think they're in the title race. I did say a few weeks ago. I think they'll fall short come the end of the season. Oh, Man City will win it, won't they? But yeah. Leicester, I think Leicester will come top four. And you know, we've had this discussion before when we played them last, well, last week or the week before. You know, we've got injuries and stuff, but they weren't any better than us. I don't think one to eleven. 
No, I think we were unlucky not to get the win against Leicester. I had this conversation this morning with a few friends. You look at the games recently. I feel we were unlucky against Arsenal because I think we should have been dead and buried before we got the equaliser. The first half against Southampton was a shambles. Um, Leicester, we, I felt we could have got the win. At the, at the moment, we, we've took, was it 10, 10 points out of 12, but we're not. I still think going into the Newcastle game, if we can show the same intent that we've had in the last sort of three halves of football, then I'm then I'm happy with the way we're going. But if we revert back to type, I'm still a bit concerned going forward. Yeah, I, 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 I you know, in the next two, I think Newcastle's a hard game for us than Villa. Newcastle, I'm currently three because, points just off because safety. of style. Just because of style, you know what Newcastle are going to do? They're going to frustrate and do we break teams down? Like you know, Villa can play, they're going to play one way and. You know, pretty much in that Leeds model, aren't they? And I think that, you know, I'll laugh my head off if we finish above them because they've been giving it sticks, you know, absolute sticks and stacks all year about, oh, look where we are in the league. They've got two games hands on us still. They're three points in front. Finish above them. Them losing one of them games is on now because they're playing one of them now. Yeah. 2-0 still. I'm certain... 2-1. And I'm certain they're going against Man City. So, Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it it just frustrates you because there's been another gear or two in us in so many games this season, and six points makes makes a world of difference. In regards to Newcastle being difficult, I want to disagree with that because I think they're going to have to come at us. They're at home. They're only three points above the relegation zone now <laughs> because of Fulham's upturning form. Yeah. They've got to come at us because they've got to win the home games. If they're going to stay up because they're in a relegation battle now. They've got to win the home game. So they've got to come at us because they will look at us as a fixture that they can win. When they're looking at their running, they will look at this game as a fixture they can win. Right. So, sorry, let me just jump quickly back in because we'll talk to, we'll talk about Newcastle after the break. Jumping back to Leeds, um, this guy made his 100th Premier League appearance for Wars on Friday night. My man of the match, Rui Patricio. Who was your guy's man of the match? Rui. Rui as well, yeah. Best game, best game all season. I mean, you look at some of the, the saves they made. I know that one point blank header he made from Liam Cooper before we went 1-0 up was strong save. The save from Costa at the end. I know sort of Neto and Adama look lively throughout, but I, don't, I, I felt that he won a star's points of his saves on Friday, Rui. Yeah, definitely. I think you could say, you could even go as far as saying Neto and Traor had poor games, really, in, in regards to... Recent efforts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with that being said, it's what Patricio gets paid for. And he's had more poor games than good games this season, if we're being honest. But it, yeah. it, it's just good to see. It's good to see. Any time a Wolves player is fantastic, it's, it's good to see. And hopefully, this, hopefully Rui takes this performance into the last... 13 or however many league games we've got left there. Yeah, but I think it instills confidence in the, whole, the rest of the team as well because no one's going to, no one can doubt, you know, Rui. I thought, you know, last season, I'd put him in the argument of sort of in the in the top three, maybe top five keepers in the league for me. Um, and, you know, this season, he's made a few mistakes and if a goalie makes a mistake, it's a goal in it. But um, a, a, a goalkeeper with confidence just instills confidence in the rest of the team. Because the defenders, we won't naturally just sit back, you know, let's just get a bit further up the pitch. And I think that now Patricio looks like he's back to the Patricio of old. I think we've got, I genuinely think we've got a real strong case to start building out. And you know what? If we end up coming in Europe this year, <laughs> it'll be a fucking miracle because of how bad we are. But the league's bad. The league is bad. You can't so, write this team off. Is one fan as much as we've all been Nuno in Nuno air the Okie <laughs> recently. You can't write this team off because, as I said the other day, it might necessarily be a masterstroke that we've sacked off the cup run as we end into the business <laughs> end of the season. Genuinely, because of how poor the league is, it's like the championship at the moment. You're in three on the bench, you can ride up there. Imagine, so, imagine if we just won nine of the last thirteen. Villa won flipping ten on the bench in the championship. Yeah. Thing is, though, we've got these next two games, and we've got Man City and Liverpool. Like, you don't fear Liverpool at the minute, do you? They're all over the gaff. But Man seven City, points uh, behind Liverpool. There we are going into that that yeah. game. But then after after them two games, and we got like Brighton, Fulham, Baggies. 
Like we've got like Sheffield United at home. We've got this run of mad run of game. I think five games after these two, where you're looking at these next two, you're thinking, we want four points, possibly, you know, maybe six, see where it gets to us. But then get rid of them two games against Man City and uh, Liverpool. We've got, we can put another mini run and get some more points. I, I genuinely think we're going to be closer to that top seven, top six, and what we probably think right now. That, that's me. Oh, that's my cock on the block, like Matt Cooper would say. I hope so, because if in two or three weeks' time, we've lost a few, and then we're having to talk all negative again, <laughs> we've got to look like right villains, mate. Yeah, I know. I used to get panned for being negative, so I'm, I'm, I'm back on the positive train at the minute. <laughs> Let me tease you. Jimenez comes back for the last four Premier League games of the season. We're three points off sixth place. Do we make Europe? We do, don't we? The style, mate. Yeah. Who we got last game of the season? Chelsea. Man United at home. Man United at home. Yeah. He looked. He looked. He looked against Man United. We are all. Yeah. Then hopefully they're in the Europa League final by then. Yeah. They'll. they'll, The the league title will be gone by that point, and they'll be focused on the Europa League, and we just nick sixth place. We could even nick fourth place if Raul really hits form. You get twelve and four. <laughs> <laughs> Fabio Silva, I'm still, I'm still saying he's, he's going to hit. I reckon he's going to hit six goals by the end of the season. So he's, he's already on two. He looked good when he came on, four. didn't he? He did look good when he came on. Lively, sharp. Just need, he just needs people to, you know, get off his back. I think there's a player in there. I really, really do. Like ultimately, look well, at him. He's like, you know, he's he's got no weight behind him. He, he's a kid and he's playing in an adult game. That's what it is. Yeah. If Silver's getting pelters, then William Jose's got to get pelters as well. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Because there's no way that Jose has done enough <clears throat> in the games he's played to escape criticism if Silver's done enough to receive no, it. Completely agree. Because there's not, there's not much in between them, really, if we're being brutally honest. Okay, Silver is... Not Silver. Jose is a hell of a lot stronger. One, because... He's a man, and Silver's a boy, and two because he's a fucking unit. Yeah, to be fair, that Jose, he's a big guy, but I'm still adamant. Silver's finishing and shooting quality. I think he shot against Leeds. wasn't a, wasn't yeah, an easy target as well. But he made it, he made it look a lot easier than what it was, and it was a cracking strike. That was completely agree. Right, let's have ourselves a little Kit Kat break and we'll talk about Newcastle after this. Hi everyone, Matt from Wolves Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com com. They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Right, welcome back to the Wolves Fancast. Still got Luke and Jordan here with me. Going to preview Newcastle now. What's your sort of feelings going into Newcastle? I know you briefly touched on it just. Newcastle and three points off safety at the moment. Fulham have been on a decent run again. Going another win yesterday. They're without Callum Wilson for the foreseeable, I think. So all they've got is goal into and up front. It should theoretically be a comfortable Wolves win. But like you said, they're going to sit in and stifle us like they have done on numerous occasions. I think we've drawn, we've drawn every game in the Premier League against them. Other than um, Doherty winner, Doherty winner didn't he last minute? But yeah, I, like I've like I said before the break, I think um, I just think it's a tricky game for us because I I don't think I think they're shite and they've only got one way of playing. And I know Luke sort of alluded to they've got to start winning games now, but if they open up against us or anyone, I think I think everyone, pretty much everyone in the league could beat them. I, I really do. Like I think. I think Newcastle are as bad as the Baggies. If I'm being honest with you, a general, you know, a that's harsh. Do. That's harsh on that. No, Newcastle, I do. That I is. do. I know. Like, like they've um, they picked up points and performed. You know, picked up points and wins, and the majority of that is down to Callum Wilson goals for me. And 
you know, he's a, he's a he's an accomplished Premier League striker, isn't he? You know, he's from round here. I don't know why we never got him from Coventry. Still a massive mistake for me at the time. But um, yeah, I just don't think they're very good. But they always seem to do something against us, don't they? And that's what pisses me off. Well, we've actually got a really good record against Newcastle. Um, Let me just get it up again. We've won at St James's Park. We've won three of our last five visits there. Yeah. Drawing one and losing one. So it's it's not the worst hunting ground in the world. Um, Even going back to 1990, which is about 10 or 12 games, Newcastle have only won three at St James's Park against us. And it, it'd, be one, it'd be one of those games where I think if we win, then we can 100% relax about relegation. No, relegation is not even a possibility now. It's, it's done. But the thing is, the way, the way we've been playing, we, we, how many games did we lose on the speed of five or six? <laughs> and there's good reason that we did because we're fucking shit. No, no, Luke, no, no, just no. no I'm, I'm just We're looking up the table now. Careful. Relegation is not happening. <laughs> I'm just being extra careful, mate. Like no, you do with a bird, no, you know me. I'm back. always the most negative pessimist one. With whim safe, but, it ain't even a book. It's not plausible. No, okay, but what I'm just saying is, beat Newcastle, even the most negative lads in the world won't have to have relegation in the back of their mind. It will do it. Done. See you later. Um, no, Luke, it's more fun so, to be bipolar because if, if we all <laughs> say we're safe now, if we lose to Newcastle, they're three points close to us, then we're really in a relegation battle. Yeah, but you can't... Yeah, but you, that's what I mean. You can't even... You even yeah, think but, yeah, in a relegation now, battle or not. now... <laughs> living the now... <laughs> okay, living the now, we've got to get top five, top six if we're unlucky. Um, but it's a game that we should be winning because, like Jordan said, them fucking cack. You just look at their lineup and and their squad. I mean, Aaron is now Isaac Hayden, isn't he, or is it Aaron Hayden? Whatever. Isaac Hayden, yeah. Jeff, Hen- Jeff Hendrick. Almiron, I'm sorry, I know he scored against us last season. He's fucking wank. Um, that Lewis at left back, who's you know the only thing is, I, I, I just know the rest of the names you've got to line line up, and all it smells like is a team chasing the playoffs. Yeah, yeah it does. I mean, um, Saint Maximan, Joe Willock on loan from Arsenal, who will probably be decent in a few years. Who did that? I mean, the but bench? defensively, they've still got flipping. Jamal Lascelles. Phil, Phil Dummett. <laughs> Who's this? Emil Kraft. <laughs> Mate. It, it was Luke's laugh before the name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Ryan Fraser, Andy Carroll, Dwight Gale, Kieran Clark. <laughs> you know, Mate, I genuinely think, though, this is one of these games where you know where you'd want fans back because St. James's Park full. Toxic, yeah. You'd you'd love it, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd stop booing and throwing the season to get it. Bruce and chucking a Swede off his head and all that, wouldn't they? Class That's what, you know. I'd lo- love, love the fans to. You know, it's one of the games where, you know, in recent years, if it's bad up there, the the play, you know, the fans can make the team just fold. So, and right now with Fulham's run of form, they've got. I reckon every Newcastle fan thinks they're doomed. Absolutely doomed. So I, I don't even realise Fulham was on 22 points till this morning. Yeah. It's turned the corner. They're playing some good football as well. Oh, they they have you have you been have you both been to St James's Park? Yeah. I've never been, I haven't. Have you not enjoyed well, it? When did no. you go, Luke? When we won 2 0. Costa scored that curler. Maybe that was the day that no, we didn't go on the coach that day together. I went to in a car, I just remembered. I went, I went to that game. I didn't get to the Doherty one. I'm just, this is sort of one of the, the positives at the moment with fans not being allowed in grounds because my little legs going up them stairs in the away oh, end. Just, God, it's you know, for me. It's horrible. And I've been smoking more fags during lockdown without playing football. So my lungs right now, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. It's, but it's, it's a good, 
I mean, it's a good view of the pitch. It's a good view of the city. When you're at the top and you can see the, the whole of Newcastle. One in a wide eye, Newcastle is our man. He's class. He, he's it was good. a good day when we went that day, that, that 2 0. Where did we stay? Oh, God. We had drinks somewhere, but I can't remember where. Whitby. <laughs> That's June, isn't it? <laughs> where did we stop? That's June's bunker, isn't it? I can't even remember, but it was a decent little boozer. Right, so put so so put your balls on the block. Score predictions against Newcastle, Jordan. One nil. Okay, if it's just simple one nil, who's our scorer? Let's let's get some odds in. William Jose. William Jose one nil. And if you go on to Boyle Sport, you can get Wolves one nil. William Jose first goal scorer at twenty five to one. I'd be interested to see what the actual odds was on a William Jose one nil. Have a look. What's your score prediction, Luke? Um, I'm going three-one Wolves. I am. So, okay. So, first goal scorer and three-one. Are you going for Neto? Neto three-one. You can. We'll have a look at that afterwards, and we'll post you on the Twitter later on. Um, I'll quickly jump to Twitter corner because we've had quite a few questions in today. But yeah, try and get some more in people for for next episode. Uh, first question is from our former illustrious leader, David Evans. Which player from Leeds and Newcastle would you bring into the squad if anything was possible? Just one from each. Jordan? Um, Rafinha from Leeds, I think. I think he's class. Don't know how... No, no, Rafinha. Rafinha. Who are you dropping for Rafinha, Jordan? Or you, or you just want that squad depth? I just want a bit of depth, mate, and I think we can be a bit fluid then, couldn't we? Imagine like Nuno being a bit fluid and like changing up and putting one behind the striker as well. Um, this one might shock you. From Newcastle, I would take Fabian Cher. I thought he was going to go with him, to be fair. He, he only seems to be the, the only reliable one in their defence from what I've seen. Yeah. Good fancy Premier League scorer as well for all the... It'd be, it'd be, him, or, it'd be him or one of the goalies to, to get rid of John Ruddy, to be honest. Luke? I'd take from Leeds Liam Cooper just because he's a better defender than Max Kilman and it would really annoy Adam Price. <laughs> no, I agree with that though, Luke. <laughs> I'd agree with that. that. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> so, just to get rid of Max Kilman. <laughs> Liam Cooper to replace Max Kilman. And from Newcastle, I've got to take ISM. ASM and Adam are on the wings. Oh, God, imagine defending against them. Yeah, imagine if they're both playing with shitter, though. You'd be playing with nine. Oh, yeah, you'd be fucked. fucked. (laughs) If the click made, it would be beautiful. Oh, it would be, yeah. (laughs) Are you having Dan? Um, From Leeds, I'd probably have Calvin Phillips. I think he's there. I think him in the midfield of either Nevers and Martino would be... um, a massive improvement and yeah I'm, I'm having ASM from Newcastle I, I think it's absolute chaos him and Adama on the wings <laughs> I, I just don't think even our players would know what to do never mind the opposition <laughs> just get the ball to the wings and let's see what happens it's just like a pinball machine let's just whatever happens happens do you know who I'd throw in as a curveball from Newcastle Andy Carroll I knew you were going to say that Andy Carroll mate oh. I, I think Andy Carroll is massively underrated. He's just so injury prone. That's his issue. Yeah, he's yeah. a cart horse, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, his, his legs have gone. He's just, he's had, I mean, his miss is quite attractive, so I think she's just ruined him. Remember that goal he scored for England against Sweden in the Euros? Oh, I was at Butlin's Moynehead on my cousin Gavin Stagdo, Luke, yeah. when that goal went in and it was absolutely carnage. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're not like flipping well. Butlins is uh, mad at the best of times, are you? Never mind when England are playing. You imagine like Butlins Minehead, all the Welsh go down there for the weekend. <laughs> so like all the Welsh were supporting Sweden and England was just, everyone was supporting England. When that header went in, it was just, oh, God, it's absolutely <laughs> great. Plastic cups all over everyone. <laughs> absolutely bloody great. Next question is uh, from Frankast Nons himself, Stu. <laughs> What's more saltier, the Atlantic Ocean or Leeds fans? Leeds fans, yeah. Leeds yeah. fans, by a cry, mile, cry more. I've never. 
you know, they're up there with Liverpool fan level of delusion and self entitlement. Nah, nah, oh, you come worst, on. Don't, don't throw Liverpool fans under the buzz like that. Oh, I mean, sorry. Leeds fans. Sorry. <laughs> Liverpool, yeah, maybe that's Liverpool a bit extreme, and Champions but... League salt. <laughs> that might be a bit extreme, but I just. The thing, because this, they can take a few fans away, that them absolutely fantastic, but them shit. <laughs> them shit. They were out of the Premier League for two decades. You are, a, you are as big as you want to make out. Uh, another question from Twitter persona Jason Jeffries, which is one question I've heard a million times. Has anyone ever seen Little Dan and Danny Murphy in the same room? No, I thought it was you. You love Morgan Gibbs White as well, don't you? Danny Murphy won it on the uh, BBC. He's like his favourite player. Won it after that Chelsea game. Same as yeah. the play for England. Well, he's called him Luke Morgan Gibbs White then. I was oh, no, oh, no. sorry. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Luke looks like Colin Kazim Richard. And end the question with a question from um, Richard Hobbs. What's your regular order when you go to Subway? I've been through a bit, you know. Well, oh, you, you, got... you could have fooled me. <laughs> nah, I'm just saying, you know, in terms of, um, I've never been a big Subway fan, though. To be honest with you, I always think overrated, overrated Subway shit. But I will have a spicy Italian. Mm. What is that what it's called? Spicy Italian. Italian BMT. Italian BMT in it. Italian. That's the one. Italian, Italian big man thing. Big man thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rotisserie chicken for me, I think. I went to, you know, obviously there's like franchise, basically you, you, you just buy a Subway, but you you make your sandwiches, like you take a profit, like these franchises. I went to one on the Willingham Road years ago. I asked for a cheese toastie and the girl put flipping um, marinara sauce and said, this is, this is what we do as a default here. I was like, well, it ain't a cheese toastie then, is it? Is that the one that was in that petrol station? Oh, what? mate, yeah, that you? one. Shocking, mate. Mate, that, that was, was the worst shop I've ever been to. I genuinely yeah. think I got ill that off that shop. Thankfully, they ain't there now. It's a bros petrol station for the um, people who are unaware of the Willow Road variety of uh, <laughs> establishments that are there. So you asked for a cheese toasty, and she put sauce on it as a default? Yeah. How do you work? And then, and then I had to yeah. have it because that's their standard. It's like it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's cheese not cheese toast, cheese toast, toast, is toast, it? Cheese toast in it. Yeah. What I mean, you don't need to put marinara sauce and then put cheese on the top. Nah. If you wanted marinara marinara sauce, you would have said, "Can I have a cheese toast, please?" <laughs> With marinara sauce, please. No. <laughs> that's why. That, that's why it's not there anymore because they were literally the thickest people that I've ever met. You know what you should have said. You said, do you know what? That's hilarious. That's your default because my default is when somebody fucks up my order, I don't pay for oh, it. No, it's all hindsight. <laughs> I, was a pussy. I was a pussy. <laughs> and on that note of me being a pussy, we'll call an end to the Today Show. Thanks to everyone that um, persevered with me on last night's quiz. We, we got down to about 14,000 people in the end. I mean, 14. Um, and it was quite a success in, in the in the end, but we'll do better next time. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for persevering with the fan casting general, with the support. Take care of yourselves and we'll speak to you after Newcastle. Say you to us, boys. Ta-da. Peace. Ta-da. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 